AI in Action is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Our host brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success, and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI in Action cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. To listen to the latest AI in Action podcast, head over to www.aldus.com forward slash podcast, or subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. Hello and welcome to the AI in Action podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Kelly. Uh, today I'm delighted to have on the show Timo. Uh, Timo is the co-founder of Deepset.ai. Timo, thank you for, for being on the show. Uh, Anthony, thanks for, for inviting me to the show. Um, so look, let's get into it, Timo. Look, tell us a little bit about you, your background and, and what led you up to Deepset. Uh, .ai at the moment. Uh, yes, gladly. So, um, yeah, I would describe myself as an NLP, Natural Language Processing Geek. Uh, geek. Um, I studied uh, data science in the Netherlands and uh, then computational neuroscience because I was always fascinated in uh, intelligence in also then looking at the brain, how it um, solves intelligence, how it understands uh, things. And um, as many other people, I started, of course, working in the vision field, creating um, deep neural networks for vision when it came out, when it was really popular in 2012 with uh, Alex Krzyzewski and his ImageNet. Um, but then changed very soon to uh, natural language processing. And I've been working in um, startups to transform text to formats that a computer can use. And yeah, I'm um, really excited because in the last, I would say one and a half, uh, two years, there were so many new um, explorations, so much new research came out. And um, luckily before this, we started DeepSet. So basically, um, two years ago, we had our first um, project with uh, um, Springer Nature. There we founded DeepSet and um, DeepSet is a natural language um, processing studio uh, where we did purely um, text-based uh, projects for customers, um, large customers. And we got um, actually quite excited because there was uh, so much need at this time um, for natural language processing. And we got in contact very fast with um, high-profile clients, like, uh, as I said, Springer Nature was our first client, then um, Siemens. And then we also got in contact with uh, Airbus. And um, yeah, with Airbus, we have been doing a lot of projects and um, very interesting things seeing the the factories in um, Toulouse uh, we were actually there um, now um, we currently also have a, a project running with um, Airbus of getting latest natural language processing to their systems um, so yes uh, this is how we started DeepSet um, and uh, we actually transformed um, away from this pure project-based uh, work because we saw a lot of um, potential in an in intelligent search or neural search as we call it and we're also going to talk a lot about the techniques uh, later on um, but this is the main interest right now to enable companies to do intelligent searching um, because with the advancements in um, in research, it is now possible to, for example, have a Google for on-premise data without user interaction. So just by using the power of uh, machine learning models, you can match user searches to content in your database and um, make this also securely available to ev to everyone. Okay, cool. So why did you why did you actually choose DeepSet? So you mentioned 
like a lot of people were coming out doing a lot of image processing, uh, but you managed, sorry, not so much deep set, but you chose the path of, of, of NLP. What was the kind of deciding factor behind that if, if at the time there was a bit more going on in, in, in image processing and computer vision? Uh, that's that's very true very true um we actually saw the huge potential so i think the answer is twofold first of all i'm really very deeply interested in in intelligence and um, <clears throat> machine learning and we basically just saw more potential for like understanding how humans interact how humans um, yeah, um, how human intelligence works through natural language processing, then through computer vision. And um, also then from a business perspective, we saw so many um, applications. I mean, uh, text is everywhere. Uh, uh, I don't know, like we have this pitch deck where we uh, show like how many emails are written each day, how many text messages, how many tweets, um, information is documented, like all this um, yeah, um, richness, all this value is basically hidden because right now people don't interact with this text in an intelligent way. They write, of course, emails, but they cannot access it as a whole in an automated way. And we saw this potential quite early and I think it's now becoming more and more apparent. Okay, cool. And if we if we get into it a little bit more, you know, if you if you meet someone for the first time and they say, what do you do? What do you tell them you do? <laughs> What do you tell them DeepSet do? <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's very difficult. I mean, if uh, I'm talking, for example, to my parents or to my grandparents, it's very difficult to, to tell them what I'm actually doing. Yes, that's very true. Um, I'm trying to tell that we're doing... Um, projects for for uh, clients um, to transform text in a meaningful way for example um, analyzing incoming emails what the content is about or if somebody has a question like um, how long can i stay at hotel x like a customer has a question like this on a on a, on a customer service site then we develop systems that automatically extract the answer from the descriptions of the relevant hotels things like this this is how i describe the process and then i also talk a lot about that we do uh, open source which is basically the um, let's call it the pirate of the the, the pirate uh, life uh, the um, wild west of the internet so every um, code every model and um, also a lot of the thought processes like um, publications they should be available to everybody and this is what we highly believe in um, and it also creates value for us to be honest cool so you wanted to to really talk about about three three really topics that that have been very close to you one very close to to the current uh, covid covid outbreak but i suppose if we start we start start off differently and, and talk about what you guys do differently is is how you do language models um and, and the way you use them um exactly um yeah let me give a brief introduction so um, a computer uh, cannot work with text directly. It's very difficult from computer if you type in um, uh, letters and words to uh, understand it. Um, of course, the computer needs to transform it to numbers. And there have been a really uh, very interesting algorithm called Word2Vec, which transforms Word to vector mathematical representations. And on this mathematical tr um, transformations, on this points in some 
high dimensional space, you can actually do a lot of interesting things. So for example, similar words are also on similar positions, but also the relation between words um, does have a meaning. So the most prominent example is that man to king behaves in the same way as woman to queen. Um, and these uh, examples um, are very prominent. Um, this was an algorithm published uh, 2012, Thomas uh, Mikulov. Um, I think he worked at Google at that time. Now he's uh, with uh, Facebook. And um, this was transforming words to vector representations. And language models actually try to do this, but for um, sentences or whole documents. And we believe that there is a lot of value. So you don't have single words that are transformed to vectors, but you have the whole sentence. And there uh, a lot of um, problems arises. For example, synonyms, um, same words, ha have actually different meaning depending on the context. And this is what language models um, try to overcome. So for example, the, the apple I eat and the apple phone I buy, there the word apple has very different meanings. And this will also then be reflected in the um, yeah, computer representation of it. And um, these language models, they did not work uh, well until about two years ago. Um, there were a couple of models from um, Sebastian Ruder from DeepMind and uh, Jeremy Howard from FastAI. They have created models that you train on text and then uh, you can transform to other tasks. Um, but let me maybe talk about a different model because maybe you have seen it in the news uh, and it's called BERT. This is also a, a language model um, open sourced by Google. And um, what you do there is you uh, stick a lot of data onto this language model. Um, for example, the whole Wikipedia or nowadays also much, much more data like the whole text data that is available on the internet. You stick it into this model and this model creates some kind of yeah, a model of language, how uh, grammar is, how words um, are composed together. And if you have this language model, you can actually do other tasks much, much faster. Um, simple tasks that have been done before, like document classification or named entity recognition, which is uh, um, getting out, for example, uh, persons and organizations like universities or cities out of a text. Like these traditional tasks are being done much, much more performant. But what we believe is the true holy grail for these language models is really combining a search or like some kind of user question with all text that is there. And so you can basically ask questions and there is a really prominent data set, uh, Squat, it's from uh, open source from Stanford, uh, um, Stanford uh, question answering data set, uh, Squat, then the acronym. Um, and there the performance just kick jumped, um, like with image, did it, uh, the performance now increased a lot with these uh, language models and especially BERT. Okay. Then, then I suppose uh, uh, another thing that, I, that I'd like to, to ask them as well. Like, so when people, I find, and if they're searching, as you mentioned, if they're a Google search, if they're emailing, if they're emailing and they're not very formal, they send quite lazy emails. Um, sometimes with bad grammar, sometimes with misspellings. Um, and poor structure. How do you how do you combat those type of challenges uh, to to really get down to to what the question is? 
Yeah, that's also a very good point. Um, very, very practical also. Um, so, of course, you can do pre-processing of this data, correct misspellings, but normally you want to go away from separate pipelines, like first do like a spelling correction and then do more advanced methods. You want to have it all in one model. And these language models, because they are trained on a lot of text and also of text uh, involving misspellings and um, colloquial language, they can handle these um, quite well. Um, for example, <coughs> this also goes a little bit technical, but the um, language models, they don't transform whole words, but they transform sub words so they if they have a long word in germany we have uh, quite a, a long list of long words um, but let's for example um, computer if somebody misspelled the word computer without uh, er but just with the r um, it's the language model would transform compute and then the r at the end and this word compute would already give the this language model quite a good of sense what what you're talking about and even if this misspelling is very very common it might even have a representation of this completely misspelled uh, misspelled word that is uh, very meaningful to the model okay and is this is this something that you kind of um, you had to prepare from from the beginning or is this stuff you learned as you went on that you were going back and making changes or or was it all kind of trial by fire um, changing and changing and working with it as you went on Yes, uh, yeah, totally. Like these models, um, they have to be trained from scratch. And this is also something that has given us uh, as a deep set, as a company, a lot of traction. Um, we've been training a German bird uh, model from scratch. Um, so what you can do, there's a couple of options. Um, uh, Google, for example, open sourced an English uh, bird model that is out there for everybody to use. You can use this and adjust it to some domain language. This is also some th something we did. For example, take an English bird model on Wikipedia and transform it to uh, work on Airbus engineering text. Um, there's also English in this text, but also a lot of special vocabularies like special acronyms, um, and special grammar. This is what you can do. The, uh, the second part is Google also open sourced multilingual models that can handle all kinds of like about a hundred different languages in one model. Um, but we saw also the potential of creating unique um, language models for individual languages from scratch that first of all perform better than this multilingual model and also they are a bit smaller and so they're easier to get into production they're much faster at production because this is for now still a huge bottleneck these models are large they require huge gpus and getting this to work um, smoothly in inference and in production is really tricky and um, yeah we've been very um, um, yeah glad to have trained a german language model from scratch and get it out into the public because now a lot of researchers or also other people from industries they just write us and tell us hey thanks for open sourcing this model i'm using it for this and that and um, we are engaging with a lot of very professional people um, through this um, method of open sourcing it no it was it was really good i was actually um when you mentioned that i actually never thought of the difference between the multi-language model and having a, a language specific model for the computing power that would be required um, but it was good that you mentioned that because I was actually just just going to ask about it. So, what kind of led you to to creating this this German BERT model um, and and then you know bringing it into open source? Like a lot of people, 
might not open source that that type of information um yeah that's very good um i think um it has a lot of uh, varied components but um so let's say um we're very um technical um co-founders and we want to create something um meaningful and valuable so um training these language models from scratch requires huge amount of compute and we were in um, um like we are still in contract with for example the tensorflow's uh, tensorflow research um cloud program which is a great um program from google to support us with uh, cloud credits also we were in contact with aws and the the open telecom cloud the the german uh, cloud provider and they gave us access to a lot of compute power and not everybody, not like a um, researcher in, in his small lab or maybe just somebody who wants to try out things has the capabilities to do this. So these models, if they're open sourced, they're a great addition to the community. Like, um, so this is our first and primary interest, but also um, yes, getting the PR around it and seeing how much it actually brings us value as being recognized as really leading edge NLP a startup in, in Germany. This is something um, really great and this is also really valuable for us as a company. Yeah, no, do you know what? I can completely understand the, uh, the, the rationale behind it, the branding. There's a lot of long-term benefits to that as well. Um, so tell me about the, the frameworks that, that you've mentioned to me as well, uh, the, the farm framework and the haystack framework. Where do they come in? Uh, yes, um, exactly. So if you train a language model, it's really difficult to assess how good it is. There are certain measures. Um, for example, if you train something, you have uh, something called a loss, which is telling you an overall how the model is performing but this loss is very specific to a model training and um, let's not get into details there but um, what you actually want is to assess the performance of this model on downstream tasks like document classification named entity recognition or question answering and farm is a framework for um, yes a framework for adapting representation models that's acronym farm and with this framework you can automatically uh, stick in language models and you put something on top that is called a um, like a neural network that can actually do this document classification or question answering like this needs to be small adjustments to it and with this you can evaluate how good your language model is quite well and uh, farm is heavily based on uh, open source framework from hugging face transformers um, they're really great at implementing the latest models because bird is not just um, yeah it's not the latest model there have been yeah, uh, tens to hundreds of extensions of these language models and Hugging Face implements these models really really quick and well in PyTorch in this um, open source framework for doing um, deep learning and we integrate it and give it a more modular structure so we always separate language models from the tasks that they are doing and this makes it really nice to apply these models fast for inference and train these models in modular ways and with this framework farm we could evaluate our training quite well we're currently also training uh, new versions of bird and others and with this framework farm we can evaluate much much structured much much uh, better how these models are performing during the course of training um, 
you were also talking about uh, Haystack. Um, Haystack is um, our latest framework because, as uh, we said, um, as I said, DeepSet is looking more and more into neural search, so an intelligent search, how users can combine the search queries with all the data that they have um, in their system. And um, Haystack makes this possible on a large scale because um, you can use uh, a BERT, for example, for question answering, this huge neural network for question answering, but it takes, let's say, uh, one hour to go through uh, one gigabyte of text. And this is, of course, not scalable in the industry. If somebody asks a question, um, the person cannot wait for one hour to get the answer. And Haystack makes this whole uh, question answering system um, scalable to large document bases and uh, this is the direction we see as most prominent and this is the direction we will um, go more and more into and also this haystack framework was the main basis for the COVID um, question answering project that we're currently um, developing excellent so look if you want to kick into the COVID hackathon you know uh, give us a bit of a an intro into what the hackathon was about why you took part and then the project that you that you built off the off the back of it um yes so it was uh, in germany it's uh, was actually quite famous it's uh, via versus virus so us against the virus uh, hackathon organized by um, public authorities german government but also other um, open source funds like prototype fund um, really high class uh, initiatives and um, a lot of people joined, um, I think about uh, 40,000 um, participants in one hackathon. Uh, they set up a Slack uh, workspace. They had to call the CEO of Slack to get so many new people on board, so many new people in such a short time. And um, they made it work uh, with all these people in one Slack workspace. They, of course, divided um, a lot into different tasks like um, analyzing, um, um, the the symptoms, for example, or also like information extraction or information services. And we um, thought that we, with our frameworks, we can do a lot about how um, people get information. Because at that time, there was uh, still, and we also believe right now, there still is a lack of really officially qualified information about COVID. And um, the reason is because there is a lot of information out there also on official government sites, but the information is quite spread across a lot of pages, um, also or especially for very regional insights. And so we set out during this hackathon to code um, um, interface where you can ask questions and then it gets answers about um, uh, COVID, about Corona. And um, we do this by crawling all official um, Corona sites, governmental sites, uh, first right now in English and German. And then we have this um, knowledge base in our backend. And when a user types a question, we match this question to all the questions that we called. And in this way, we can um, make it very, very fast and scalable. And also for this matching, we first used very simple techniques, but um, during the hackathon where about 25 people collaborated with us, um, we could extend this to much, much more um, functionality. Um, and yes, so uh, three weekends ago, uh, we 
did the hackathon and organized uh, this little challenge in the hackathon but afterwards um, there was a huge community uh, around it um, also people from um, Intel um, approaching us um, uh, Anthony Rayner from uh, from Intel a really good good person he was uh, very convinced of this approach and the need and he created um, a whole group of medical um, doctors for us to create training labels to actually make this question answering much much better because the question answering systems nowadays they work on wikipedia type of questions uh, when was michael jackson born or um, tell me the origins of computational theory so it um, it is rather common knowledge and if you want to ask specific questions that are corona related you need very specific data sets and um, he is currently working with um, I'm not sure like uh, 10 15 medical doctors to create this set so an open sourced annotation uh, data set which is I think quite quite unique and this is um, uh, really great to see that, that so many people support us um, yeah yeah, that's absolutely uh, fantastic. Really, really good work. Um, well done and uh, and congratulations. It's great to see that it's been it's been picked up by other people and it's helping medical doctors to do a lot of their research. Look, I, I know we've kind of kind of run almost over time, uh, but I want to ask one one more question um, before we finish up. I want to make it very specific to you. Uh, what what technologies or what breakthroughs in in NLP do you think are going to have the biggest impact on on the NLP as a as a technology as a whole, anything from academia or anything coming through that's being used in industry. Uh, of course, uh, getting these language models to all parts of the industry, um, this will be challenging and this will change the way people interact with information. This is the um, development now. And of course, uh, the industry lags a little bit behind um, uh, between the most current research. Um, I think for the future, it will be integrating world knowledge um, in a more meaningful way. So um, these language models, they do have some kind of knowledge of how words are composed and you can also generate text for example OpenAI GPT-2 if you have heard about it if you haven't heard about it check out um, talk to transformers they are these models generate really coherent text but they don't really have an understanding what they're talking about and they don't cannot produce consistent stories and this getting this into a machine through something called memory uh, uh, yeah <laughs> um, yeah it's quite obvious uh, memory networks um, that can access information in a way that is stored that can then the computer can understand it not just in bits like like how you save your mp3 files but in this format that a language model can understand understand um, maybe that's a little bit abstract um, but uh, yes this will be the most um, breakthroughs in the coming years and uh, we are already close uh, with this there are already implementations but it needs to be done in a better more meaningful um, also in a way that people can uh, check the validity for it interpret interpretable AI then basically excellent excellent well, look, Timo, I think I think that's us for time. Um, for those listening, uh, Timo is the co-founder at DeepSet.ai, and you are listening to the AI in Action podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Kelly. Have a, have a great day, everyone. 
AI in Action is brought to you by Aldus International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Aldus offer an exec search program. Aldus can help you discover how data science and AI can transform your company. With our unrivaled network of C-suite executives and senior AI professionals, we offer retained search services across the US and Europe. For more information, contact mark at aldus.com. Get the Aldus Advantage. Become a member of the Aldus community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston, and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to all us members. And don't forget our AI on Action podcast. Each week, we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career, and more. Become an Aldus member and get the Aldus advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldus.com. That's www.aldus.com. Aldus International, empowering through AI.